Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and websites, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. If you want to get to the heart of what your style is and how to express that in your home, then I'm excited to share some free resources with you. When you pre-order my new book, Style, The Art of Creating a Beautiful Home, before its worldwide release on July 5, you will get instant access to some free bonuses. First of all, you will go into the draw to win one of 10 places in the Styling Masterclass, valued at Australian $799. Secondly, you will get a free workbook on how to find your style, 
This is basically taking the ideas behind the book and helping you apply them to who you are. And finally, you will get instant access to three styling insider guides, including how to style step-by-step, walking you through how to style a space, a styling checklist, what you need to make sure you have in each space, and your essential styling toolkit, which includes the essentials I have in my home that help me always be ready to style my spaces. Just a reminder that these free bonuses are only available when you pre-order my new book, Style. All you have to do to claim your bonuses is go to nataliewalton.com forward slash style book and enter your receipt or order number from your bookseller and you will get instant access to the downloads and will automatically go into the draw for the giveaway. You will find all the T's and C's there too. So don't forget to go to nataliewalton.com forward slash style book and you will find out where you can pre-order the book and how to collect your bonuses. Hello everyone, I hope you're all well. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. It's been a little while since I checked in with you all, and I'm thrilled to say that my new book is officially in bookshops around Australia and will very soon be available all around the world. Of course, if you're in the US or other territories, you can still pre-order the book at the moment and you will get it shipped straight to you once it's officially available in your country. It's been such a huge process creating a book and I spent months and months, far too many, writing it both at home and I also had a really big session writing at my mum's house because I find that When I'm in that headspace, I really need to focus on what I've just written, my thoughts, and if I'm constantly interrupted by children or just general life, it will take me basically three times or maybe even five times longer. So if I have these concentrated periods of time of writing, it just feels like I can make much more progress that way. And as I was writing, of course, I was thinking of you very much, dear listener. I know some of you well, and you know we interact on Instagram and we've met in person, and you were constantly in my thoughts about how I could make this book the best that it could be. How could I write about style and how to express yourself in your home in a way that you would come back to time and time again. I really wanted it to be not just a beautiful book, because of course that's important too, but one that was a really valued resource and that you could reread and it would provide endless value to you. Now, you would think it would get easier creating a book, but in many ways this was one of the most difficult ones yet. And I will share more about that journey in an upcoming episode. But for now, I want to share one last concept that I write about in the book. Of course, I was just scratching the surface of what I wrote about this in the book. So if this resonates, I encourage you to grab a coffee if you haven't done so already. And it's quite um, ironic, I guess, in some ways that today I'm going to talk about the wabi-sabi way of living. And the reason I say that is because at the moment, um, all my children are home from school. My daughters are in the living room doing some drawing. My son is doing some homework. That's my eldest son. My youngest son, I think he's in the garden. He's, He's quiet at the moment. And our dog is currently quiet at the moment, but she could start 
barking. The reason I say all of this is because Wabi Sabi is all about embracing imperfection. So if you hear any noises, if you hear children suddenly yelling out or a car driving past or the dog suddenly starting to bark, then you will know that I'm just trying to embrace this philosophy as I record this particular episode because I thought I could stop now and call it a day, but I really wanted to try and finish off this one. And I thought, well, you know, if those noises happen, then it's just part of the process of living a wabi-sabi way of life. So I hope that you are understanding if you hear any of those noises or interruptions. But as I said, I want to talk about the wabi-sabi way of living because I feel like it's an ideal antidote to the highly edited lives we constantly encounter every day when we pick up our phones. And as a recovering perfectionist, I wrote this topic very much so in the book to, to also help me to see my home and life in a different and kinder way. It's so easy to get caught up in wanting our homes and lives to be perfect. But when we focus too much on reaching an unachievable level of excellence, it can really hold us back from actually living our lives. And I mean, I have to say that I've learned this lesson the hard way too many times. And I know that it shows up differently for all of us. I can get very caught up in like even just cleaning, you know, that it's the house has got to be spotless. I don't like dust. I don't like clutter. I like everything to be in its place. And I could literally spend my entire life making this home look just as I want it. But of course, that's not realistic. And when I was younger, I distinctly remember I was about 14, but I I did this sort of throughout my childhood as much as I can remember. I would order all the cans in the pantry and I would turn the labels so that they were all nicely lined up and all the labels were forward facing. And to this day, I still enjoy organizing the pantry. I get frustrated when everything is a little bit chaotic in there and I will order everything. But as I said, I also want to live a life. So it's that finding that fine balance between having order, but also still you know, engaging with your life and and kind of learning what is actually the most important thing right now. And certainly having children and then having four children has helped me learn to let go of certain things. But I know it shows up this idea of perhaps not perfection, but our concerns about our homes in different ways. I know many people who don't like to have others over to their own home because they're uncomfortable with what their home looks like or maybe it's a mess and that can really hold people back from entertaining or just engaging with people. I think it's a lovely thing to be able to go over someone's home and I actually really like it when other people aren't precious and I can go into someone else's home and it hasn't been tidied to within an inch of its life because it makes me feel like they're relaxed with themselves and relaxed with me. And I try to do that, although sometimes I don't always succeed. Sometimes I just have to make sure I run around and do a quick tidy up before anyone comes over. But I think being conscious of this is always the first step. And I want to, as I said, share today that there is a kinder, gentler approach to how we can create our homes and and, and the broader scheme of, you know, our lives too. 
So what actually is wabi-sabi? It's a way of finding beauty in imperfection. Wabi is the idea of living with humility and simplicity and living in accordance with the cycles of nature. Sabi is about accepting the life cycle of anything, including the decaying end. So consider the life cycle of a flower, you know, from that first bud to the last petal falling off. And it's about embracing the whole cycle of that flower's life that, you know, you don't just sort of want to have it in its glorious moment, but that you appreciate every moment of it. And that really underscores the idea of wabi-sabi living. The idea developed out of the ideas of Taoism and Chinese Zen Buddhism. And really, it has many timeless ideas and principles that can help us in this modern day world that we face and this hyper real world which I think that we all need some kind of antidote to that. And the more strategies that we can implement into our own lives, I think the better. It really can offer us an antidote to the overwhelm and frustrations that we experience all too often in life. Now, I'm sure many of you have the book Wabi Sabi by Leonard Corrin. And if you don't, I encourage you to get it. It's just quite small, but it's just got some beautiful little examples of what Wabi Sabi living is all about and how you can um, embrace these ideas into your own home. There's another great book as well by Julie Pointer Adams on Wabi Sabi living. It's a little bit more about entertaining and how you can embrace these ideas when you have guests over and um, I think that's a great example of it too and there's a beautiful book by um, Axel Verdvoort. Um, I think that's how you say his surname, Verdvoort. Um He has got a book about wabi-sabi inspirations and, um, and that's an incredible book as well and I encourage you to add that to your collection. But as Leonard Corrin said, who has sort of studied Japanese culture, and he says, it's a way we can appreciate the imperfect, impermanent and incomplete, never finished nature of beauty in life. Wabi Sabi is the beauty of things modest and humble. And like I said, it's both a way of life and a type of beauty. And I'm sure you've used it, heard to describe particular types of interiors, but it can be more subtle than that. It can be evident in the way that light moves through a paper lantern or the patina that develops on metal when it interacts with air. Some of the key ideas are about removing what's unnecessary, striving to find a balance between gaining pleasure in what we have, but also finding freedom from that too, because of course it's so easy to just get caught up in, you know, having things and being so connected to our possessions. But there's a beautiful release when we actually aren't so connected to them as well and that we can just be and exist within our spaces. So I thought I'd break it down into some different ways that you can maybe consider incorporating a more wabi-sabi way of living into your home. So the first idea is that you can remove what's unnecessary because simplicity is at the heart of wabi-sabi. When we live with less, we can also live a more carefree life, which I sort of touched on a moment ago, that we don't have to be beholden to our possessions. Marie Kondo says, be very mindful and introspective when selecting items for your home, because what you choose defines how you want to live your life. And I think that's actually quite a powerful idea. 
We don't need to live a life of austerity, of course, but instead we can find poetry in what remains and warmth in our interactions. I think that just being really intentional about what's in our home is is really key. And it's one of the sort of the guiding principles of, of Wabi Sabi, because it again, it's, it is about embracing the simplicity. Like, what do you actually really need in your home? And I know I've sort of said this a few times, but just have a look around, like, do you need everything that you can see around you? What is just clutter? What is holding you back? What is kind of tying you to your home? Do you feel like you've got that sense of freedom in your space or do you feel beholden to your possessions? Another idea that you can consider is focusing on creating a home that's resolved instead of finished. I always think that finished is a very strong word. It's a word that can really hold you back and it can really make you feel like a failure in some ways that, you know, oh, my home isn't finished yet. And people say that to me all the time and how frustrated they are that their home isn't finished. And look, there's degrees to which that can be true. I mean, obviously you can literally be halfway through a renovation and I can understand that the renovation is not finished. But a home is a continually evolving space. And I think we really have to learn how to embrace that. You know, finish suggests a definite beginning and end. But as I said, our homes are always in a state of flux and change and always having to adapt to our needs. Certainly, I know within my own home, it's constantly changing. I mean, recently, my children had COVID and so we had people sleeping in different rooms. We had the children eating outside. Like we had to completely change that dynamic. But then I know that at one point we probably will have the children move bedrooms again when we do one of my daughter's rooms. The office, its purpose may change again. There is always going to be a movement throughout the house as our needs change. So that word finished, I think really is quite a misnomer in many ways and we're better off instead of focusing on having a home that's resolved so that helps us function every day that it helps our life you know makes our life easier certainly we don't want our homes to make life more difficult or more complicated and really embracing our homes as a living form you know just as a flower that our homes go through And this is particularly true of like if they have just been renovated, they go through a whole cycle when a home has just been finished in terms of it's just been painted and it's just had new a new kitchen put in or new cabinetry or new flooring. I mean, it looks its best, but then slowly, slowly it starts to get more and more lived in and you start to get marks on the walls, little chips in the paint, little stains on the bench top and we really can do well to to embrace these little imperfections i certainly know that um my my mother-in-law she she really loves when we come to visit and um i always remember her saying this that the children particularly when they were much younger you know they're that age where they always touch the windows and they always touch glass doors and leave their dirty little fingerprints you know when they're sort of they eat and they're toddling along and they touch it and she said oh I won't clean that you know I, I like to just let it stay there for a while and remember them because she lives in Tasmania and we only get to visit her 
a few times a year. I mean, through COVID, it's been very challenging to be able to see her, but it's a beautiful sentiment, the fact that she really wants to embrace this life being lived in her home. Whereas my mum is completely different. My mum, she's like a real, you know, military operation going in and cleaning our home or her home after we leave. So um, that's, I guess, my where I'm coming from and the sort of my journey in terms of my relationship with my home. My husband is much more relaxed and much more like his mum, which I think, you know, has got certainly a lot of benefits. But we don't, you know, we can really embrace the sort of the living element of our home and, and really make the most of what we have today and be grateful for what we have. Certainly the recent floods and, you know, the heartbreaking situation in the Ukraine have certainly shed a light on this, that we're so fortunate. You know, if if we have a home, a place to have a roof over our head and we can be safe and secure you know, that is not something that we should take for granted. And we should certainly be incredibly grateful for that. So we've got to make the most of it as well. You know, we are lucky that we have that. And people who don't, you know, who don't have a home, you know, I'm sure that they would love to have the opportunity to embrace their home and all of its imperfections. So we really need to reframe the idea of what is beautiful when it comes to our homes if you don't get the chance to replace those flowers today, then that's okay. You know, appreciate the last breath of them, the fallen petals or the leaves on the footpath or dare I say the weeds in the garden. You know, they can actually look really beautiful. I know that on our property when all the dandelions are in bloom, I actually think it looks really beautiful, all these little yellow flowers all throughout the garden. And really embrace embrace these moments of imperfection in your home. I write in the book Style, We can appreciate each and every moment as a gift, something to accept and embrace right now, because we know it's fleeting. We will never experience this moment again. The third way that we can look towards, you know, incorporating wabi-sabi living ideas into our own home is to embrace materials that are inspired by nature. Wabi-sabi way of living is more interested in unique solutions rather than a sort of one-size-fits-all mentality. So rather than mass manufacturing and the ideals of the sort of the 20th century industrialized nations, it instead embraces organic and irregular forms, natural and earthy materials, and simple and warm tones. Not everything has to be perfect. And some things that you can even consider within your own home and appreciate, you know, elements within your own space that have embraced the natural process, such as fabrics faded by the sun, materials that are weathered by the wind, chips and ceramics, and even, as I said, the marks left by children, because one day they will be gone. And I know I often have this thought that life is very full in my house right now you know it's can be very loud it can be very noisy it can be very busy and then I sort of sometimes get a little glimpse into the future and think and one day it will be so quiet and I will miss these days so we really do have to embrace these moments that we have right now and whatever's happening in our homes a fourth way that we can embrace the wabi-sabi way of living is to really consider the the products that we do welcome into our home. 
when we're looking to bring new objects into our spaces, we can embrace items that are perfectly imperfect, that we can connect with in some way the person who has made them. I know that I always love anything that you have a sense of the maker's touch in it. I don't resonate, it doesn't resonate with me that objects or items, whether it's furniture, that just feels too perfect. I, I much prefer timber that is worn or, you know, fabric that you can see the knots in. It could be a handmade rug or a, a ceramic bowl that you can sort of almost see the, the indentations from the ceramicist's finger or a, a pendant that's been handmade, even like the way that it's been cut or sort of sewn together. Um, all of those things, I think that they're all elements that really embrace this idea of wabi-sabi, that things don't have to be perfect. And it could be, you know, a rug that the way that it's knotted at the end. And I know that that one of the Moroccan rugs that I've got in my living room, that's where it often lives, it's, you know, it's got these ends and um, just the way that they're all knotted slightly differently. And I love that. I love the fact that it's not perfect and they're different lengths. And you really have a sense that this is something that has been handmade. But you could, of course, embrace like children's artwork or they've made a ceramic at school and incorporate that. Actually, in the book uh, style, there's a beautiful image of someone's home. It's actually someone who I met through my course, the Styling Masterclass. She was one of the students. She's done a few workshops with me over the years and she has a beautiful home in Sydney that we went to visit. And we've got this shot of her kitchen shelves and there's actually a jug on the kitchen shelf that was made out of beeswax that we deliberately kept in the shot. It's very much a child's um, work but it really gives that space personality and prevents it from looking too perfect. You know, it's, it's really quite beautiful to embrace these ideas. The fifth way that we can embrace the wabi-sabi ideas into our home is to really continue the lifespan of an object, to keep giving it a new life and help it live on. Another Japanese concept is kintsugi, which is highlighting or emphasizing imperfections. Literally, it translates as golden joinery and is a centuries-old art of fixing broken ceramics with a gold-dusted lacquer. Now, you can actually buy these as repair kits. You can buy them online and, and some shops um, sell them as well. But it's basically, it's like a, a golden um, join that will be evident in ceramics. And so if a bowl is cracked, then you can use this technique to repair, like, like a, if you've got a favorite ceramic bowl, it can live on, you know, you don't have to, to throw it out. And it sort of actually adds to the appeal of it, the fact that it's got this mark in it. Similarly, sashiko is a Japanese mending technique. And this highlights also, it also goes back um, thousands of years and came about when fabric was really scarce. And so people would mend fabric many, many times and it would get passed down through the generations. It's kind of similar to patchwork quilts. And I guess in some ways as well that ironically, the longer that they've been passed down, the more valuable they are. But that's not the point of them. It's the fact that, you know, these pieces of fabric, you can really see that they have had many lives and you can see the repairs in them and, and that actually adds to the appeal of it. 
Ikebana is another Japanese tradition that many of you will be aware of, and it very much embodies the ideas of wabi-sabi, helping us to, again, appreciate the impermanence of life and, and just simple beauty. Basically, it's the art of arranging flowers, but it's done in a reflective way, a really contemplative way, and it's about expressing an emotion in the creation and really trying to capture a moment in time. So the idea when you're doing this is not in making something perfect, but instead it's about seeking balance, harmony and movement in the arrangement. And there are many ways, as I said, that we can embrace wabi-sabi way of living in our homes and life. It's, these are just some of the examples and I talk about more in the book, but I do think it gives us an opportunity to think about our homes in a different way, that they don't have to be perfect and we can reconsider them in a different way. We can live more in the moment. We can really consider what we actually need in our homes and embrace more natural materials and, and try and help objects to live on. Our homes don't have to be perfect, but you know, instead we can really take an opportunity to connect with what matters most. Well, I hope that you have found today's episode helpful in some way. And don't forget that you can rate and review the podcast. I hope that you are enjoying it. I'm always open for for new ideas and um, even people that you want would love for me to interview. I'm happy to reach out to them. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I really look forward to connecting again with you the same time next week. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>